0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you
1: are encouraged by this message.
0: All right. Hey, listen, guys. Um, We wanted to give you an opportunity to do something, and I invited some special friends and some guests of mine uh, that we're going to do something a little different today because I believe that if judgment starts at the house of God, so does revival. Amen? I believe revival starts at the house of God, but I also believe that it's very, very important not to uh, ignore the elephant in the nation, right, or the elephant in the room. I believe that it's very critical that we engage in conversation about what is happening in our nation, especially regarding the injustice, racial uh, discrimination, uh, uh, police brutality, especially with our African-American brothers and sisters. Can I hear an amen to that? And we no longer should remain quiet. We shall no longer remain Amen. We should no longer, uh, b- because this is a sensitive topic that nobody wants to talk about, but, but the Bible says that in the multitude of wise counselors, there's safety. And so many people are finding themselves wanting to engage in this type of con- conversation, but we don't know how to engage properly or pastorally because we don't want to uh, offend anybody. So I thought that um, I have got some mighty men and women of God here today that are my guests. If you could give it up, I would like uh, Corey Robinson, uh, Robin, uh, Robin Sturgeon, Pastor Carlos Samiento. If you could come up, join me uh, up here. And Pastor Keith. And Pastor Keith, right? So as they, as they come up, guys, I'm going to um, really ask them some questions. And uh, hopefully at the end, if there's time. Uh, I'm going to probably open up for a couple questions to our congregation. This is a hot topic, and uh, this is not rehearsed. Uh, we're, we, they don't know. They didn't, you know, have like rehearsed scripts. Um, I, I have, if you see behind me on the panel, different uh, ethnic groups. Amen. We got, we got blacks. We got whites. We got Spanish. We don't have Asian here yet, but we, we, I know that we could. And I just want to just say uh, to all, uh, all of you, so, so Corey Robinson, he's a, and a mighty man. How many know Corey? How many know Corey? Well, he's a mighty man of God. Been knowing him. He's a menstrual. He's, a pro- he's prophetic. He could preach. And he just actually came out with his new book. He gave it to me. It's called... The dream speaker. So he just came out with a book. Those who know him, he's in, he an incredible voice in the, in the body of Christ. And he's going to be here today to help us to talk this through with the church. If we can't talk this in church, we can't talk about it anywhere. Come on, say amen. And then, of course, Pastor Carlos. if we give it up for Pastor Carlos? Thank you for coming, see as, as many of you know, I was under Pastor Carlos and uh, the Orlando House of Prayer for about 17 years. Um, and so it was because uh, he saw the call of God in my life, gave me a platform, and was able to see me launched out into RCC. So thank you for being here, PC. And of course, our very own Robin, Robin Sturgeon. Man, you got the greatest composite. Let's go, girl. <laughs> and, uh, she's, uh, obviously white, amen, and, but I, I did that on purpose so that we could can... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> But she's also worked with inner-city kids, and so she has some things to say. And, of course, our very own Pastor Keith Richardson. So I'm going to get right into it. I know that uh, some of us, I have some things that I want to share, um, but I, I really want to want to start uh, with uh, Pastor Carlos um, and sharing, like, how do we talk about this, you know, topic? How do we talk about it without being insensitive? But, but most importantly... Um, what's on your mind concerning what's happening, uh, the aftermath of George Floyd. Um, those of you who've seen it, uh, honestly, that was one of the most horrific things I've ever seen. You know, it was like, um, we don't have videos of lynching, but if that was some of the closest things that you could see, you know, I forced myself to watch it, and I just, I I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And so uh, there's many different opinions right now about what's happening, and there's, there's uh, people that are saying, well, yes, all lives matter, and we, we know that, um, but I think this is a time to show empathy and action about what's happening in our nation, so I'm going to ask, start, this is for all of you, but uh, what is on your mind concerning what happens, what's happening with our nation? How do you feel uh, at this time?
2: Well, I'm sure like everybody else... A whole array of emotions, you know, have have hit all of us. I know when I first saw what I saw, I was angry. I wanted revenge. I wanted those police officers to suffer greatly. And I'm not saying those are right emotions. They're, 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 I can understand why people are feeling the way they're feeling. But um, I was very upset, and I just really felt like enough's enough. And um, I just feel. I don't want to take too much time because I'm a preacher and I'll go on. But, you know, I do believe that this is an hour that we have to understand what the biblical narrative is and how we should respond. Because there's a way that the world is telling us how we should respond. And I can understand why they want to respond that way. Mm -hmm. Not that we're condoning what they're doing. I believe, first of all, let me just say protesting is our right. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely support protesting. But at the same time, I think everything that we do has to be undergirded by by the counsel of Scripture. Mm -hmm. What we say, how we say it. What we do, how we do it. There are times, for example, like the Bible says, you know, be slow to speak and quick to hear. And slow and and quick to hear. We should be more apt to hear. And so doing things like this, I think, are very helpful. Um, Like this past Thursday, we had... 12 different ministries, 11 different ministries that were represented. Uh, five black ministers that were there. Um, the first one I had called was you, then I called you. Um, I just, because I want, as a, as a, even though I'm not white, I'm, you know, I'm Colombian. I haven't been a victim of racism. The only, the only worst thing I've ever experienced is being called maybe, you know, some slurred names when I was a young boy. But that was basically it. Nothing that I can compare to what others have gone through. But I think whether you're Anglo, white, black, Asian, whatever color you are, we have to have a voice. And so we had gathered together several different ministers on Thursday uh, to see if we can dialogue. But the main reason why I wanted to come together was to so that so I, so I can understand. Amen. I wanted to understand, you know, their plight. I want to understand why they feel the way they feel and what can we do to help us give language. So I just feel... It's very, very important in this hour that the church really become a voice
3: yes.
2: and, become, and really yes. has some, have something to say through understanding, but also through the paradigm and the context of Holy Scripture.
1: Amen.
2: Uh, you know,
1: I, it, it's, that, that's a hard, it's a difficult question for me to answer in terms of um, how I feel. Um, I know upon watching the video and and just seeing the different responses, um, there's a range of emotion, I think, and a range of thoughts. Um, But I I think overall, um, of course, you know, I feel for the the victim, George Floyd, his family. You know, you feel bad when you see... it's indescribable, um, because, uh, you know, y- y- on a certain level, I can identify with what happened, you know, I've never experienced anything like that, but I've, you know, um, I grew up black, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, you <didn't> change <laughs> no, 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 I haven't changed, um, But I grew up listening to stories from my mother, Mm. my grandparents, um, about how things used to be. And so seeing the imagery of that sort of interaction uh, immediately reminded me of a lot of what I've been told. Now, personally, I've not experienced racism. Um, um, You know, I do have one incident when I was in college that happened, but it it pales in comparison to uh, some of the things that we see in the media, which I think that's a, a completely separate issue um, that I personally would like to speak to as we, um, as we go along here. But it's tragic. It, it is, it is uh, it's heartbreaking. And, uh, but I think what's more concerning for me is uh, as I look at the response, uh, the emotional response from my own community, um, I think it's equally, if not more, tragic than what happened to George Floyd. Of course, you know, the loss of life is, is I mean, that can never be replaced. Um, but the, the, when, when the response um, produces more loss of life and loss of livelihoods uh, for people that, that had nothing to do with the situation firsthand— um, that's that's just as tragic, if not more tragic, in my opinion. And so, um, the whole thing is is it 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 hurts humanity. It hurts our nation. It hurts relations in our nation. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm gonna
0: ask something that I just felt led to ask after Robin and PK because my main question is. We have seen uh, police brutality, unfortunately, uh, specifically with all, but specifically with black men and women, right? And I guess my my question will eventually be like, why now? Why is this now become such an uproar, right? Um, Which I want to get into that because I know that um, I think we have the general... Uh, answers of like Jesus is the way and the enemy is behind this, right? But I think what people are asking for is like, how do we heal this? How do we do something concrete? But before that, Robin, what is is, is on your mind what's happening now? uh, The Holy Spirit saying to you, but what's happening in our nation?
3: Well, similar to PC, my first response was anger. I'm like, what is going on? This doesn't make sense. It's evil. And I was blessed to grow up In a home, I didn't know racism or prejudice. I grew up red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. And that was just how I was raised, and I'm thankful for that. But I also, um, when I was very young, had an Amy Grant CD, Scratch That. I did not have a CD. I had an Amy Grant cassette tape (laughs) (laughs) record.
0: (laughs) Some of the young people are like, what is that?
3: (laughs) We'd advanced to the cassette tape by then. (laughs) But um, there was a song on there that became a prayer of mine, and it's called My Father's Eyes. And that became a prayer. Lord, give me your eyes. Give me your heart let me see what you see let me feel what you feel and that is what has led me to some of the most impoverished areas where I see a lot of injustice happening Um, but the response as you say my initial response was anger Mm -hmm. and one of my best friends a close sister is black and she called me and very upset and crying she's like Robin I just watched that video and I just sat here and cried. She said, what is going on? She said, I have black sons, what is going on? And all of a sudden, I began to cry with her because when one member of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. And I had never seen that from from that perspective. There was only one time I can say that I feared for the safety Um, of my son being white and that was after the uh, Trayvon Martin announcement and that um, he was released and I knew there would be um, some backlash and he was out near the Amway Center and I called who he was with I'm like you guys should probably get home right now and they did have you know a little bit of an incident but that's all you know, I've experienced on my end, so I can say, you know, being white, understand and listen. As a teacher, about 15 years ago, um, there were racial tensions on campus, and um, we we just stopped the class. Now, they were pretty excited to not have to hear about quadratic equations that day, (laughs) but (laughs) it was a time to just stop and listen and I let the students talk and kind of like what we're doing now we kind of hash things out and I remember one student said uh Miss Sturgeon you don't know what it's like to wake up black every day and I said you're right I don't but help me and uh, another student came up to me and she said Miss Sturgeon I think Miss so-and-so is racist And I said, why would you say that? And she said, well, when I come near her, she kind of steps back. Now, for me, when someone steps back, I think they got a box. Don't invade their box. Don't invade their space. Some people don't like people up close to them. But I never saw how that could also be a perception there. And so a response at this time, what has really been coming to mind are two scriptures. One. Revelation 19.7, the bride prepares herself. And then Matthew 3.10, of the axe is poised at the root. Let's get to the root of things and uproot these issues. But it starts in our own hearts. And with the pandemic um, and everything that's been going on, I think God is just revealing issues of the heart. If you battled fear and anxiety during the outbreak of the virus, hey, let's get before the throne of God and deal with this. Because as a teacher, I've always thought, this is just a pop quiz. And we're in preparation for the king's return and entering in. So yes, that's just good,
0: good stuff, Robin.
4: I'm kind of a to the point guy. So there were basically five things when I watched the, 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 the video. Number one is, here we are again. Um, because I was born in the 50s, so I've lived through, and I was in the South, and I know what it is. I have firsthand personal experience with racism. Um, so it was like, here we go again my second thought was it's becoming more overt again see for a period of time racism was very covert it was very systematic it, you didn't see these type of things overtly when i was growing up it was very overt you know you had two different places to drink water, two different places to go to the restroom, we have two different places to enter buildings, all of those kind of things. There were laws specifically to separate us as people. So, uh, and that was part of my experience. And then the other part was to see some of those laws tumble and the integration. But the integration, uh, even though the law talks about integration it's really a heart matter where you talk about integration. It really has to come from the heart. You can put pe- people together, but you can't make them love one another. Well, good. And so, uh, so I'm saying, well, here's a covert. My sec- third thought was we must be getting closer to the end times yeah. because you know these things are going to happen. Right. These kinds of issues. And, and if we focus only on the racism, we miss the whole picture because there's going to be a lot of injustices and a lot of things going on and I'm speaking as a black man who has been stopped by police uh, because they thought something and have been told to get out of your car and have been searched for no reason at all. I'm just going home to get some pizza going out to get some pizza for my family so and this was up north in ohio so the, the the fourth thing is i as i watched this was okay immediately to me there was, there was a, a fifth thing was in every in every outshow of expression to me there's also going to be a criminal element that will try to take advantage And so I separate the protesters from the rioters. The protesters are speaking out. They're speaking with a voice. And then you have the criminal element that I, that's what I call them, who are just looking for an opportunity to serve their own purposes, whether that's looting stores, whether that's stealing, whether that's brutalizing someone. It's just their nature to be that way because they have... No salvation and then the other thing was you know my mind immediately went to the scripture in second Corinthians 714 it says if my people Amen. who are called by my name will humble themselves second Chronicles I mean uh, and 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 seek my face and humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven forgive their sins and heal their land so my thing immediately was not so much looking to the government, not so much looking to law enforcement, but what is the body of Christ going to do? Amen. What is our response? Because that scripture didn't say, if the world do, does this, if the world does that, it says, if my people. So we, the people of God in this land, have to have a response. Yes. Collectively and individually.
0: Yes. Amen. Give it up for PK. That's good. You know, I want to, something that's not scripted here, I just, I just felt while, while you guys were talking, you know, So maybe you guys could help us. I think, Robin, you said something real powerful. You said, I don't understand. Teach me. And I think this is a, a great teachable moment for all of us. You know, I think like we have to get past, like, I know it all, or I know this, or, or oh I know, or I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe you guys could talk more about what I'm about to say. Now, it's a little bit controversial. Now, I know, I know that uh, controversy, some people love controversy, but sometimes we've got to talk about things that are controversial, right, so that we could get rid of it. With that said, okay, why do you feel, and this is not in my questions, but I just felt, why do you feel, maybe particularly Pastor Keith or Corey, um, and maybe you guys, too, why do you feel that there's this subliminal um, cringe if I could just be honest with many that are feeling this way, uh, maybe in the past, maybe not so much now, maybe now, but when people say black lives matter uh oh see when i when people say black lives matter why is why is there um, a a subliminal like oh you know, but all lives matter right? We have all been almost trained to to say, well, all lives matter, and of course all lives matter. But what is, what is the real heartbeat when people say, or brothers and sisters, or white, whoever, say black lives matter? Why is, the, why is that important? Or maybe get some clarity on that of what the meaning behind that statement really is. And why is there a subliminal cringe, right, when that a phrase is said?
1: Well first of all, um, that phrase is true. And you know when when you come from a people with a history of being eliminated, um, whether it's through slavery or lynching during Jim Crow, or what's happening currently in our nation, which is a leading nation on the planet uh, of abortion, where uh, only, Uh, the the black community makes up about 12% of the population, but we account for over 30%, um, close to 40% of all of the abortions that happen in the nation. Over Over 300,000 black lives in the womb are killed every year. Um, in, in In the city of New York, for example, there are more abortions on a daily basis than there are live births in the black community. Um, So so these things are systematic, and that's just one aspect. Um, You think about the fact that there are more black males in prison than there are on college campuses. Um, When you think about the fact that um, over 50% uh, of of the the prison population is African American, Um, all of these things are systematic um, uh, pursuit of black life. And so, that that is a it's a true phrase of uh, Black Lives Matter. However, I I just saw this morning a picture, and I I screenshotted this on my phone because I thought it was brilliant. It says, uh, in quotes, "Matter." Speaking of Black Lives Matter, matter is the minimum. Black lives are worthy. Black lives are beloved. Black lives are needed. And so I think I think. Um, I think, uh, it, um, in an effort to politicize the racial um, uh, conflict and the and the different dynamics relative to race and specifically the targeting of of uh, of black individuals, um, we've created a buzz phrase. But I think it's 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 kind of the Black Lives Matter statement because of that. It's kind of the bottom of the barrel, and I think we have to dig deeper. And uh, and and begin to look at life in general, uh, the way God sees life. Number one, and number two, uh, though I think we we have to begin to tell the truth, cross culturally for uh, concerning what's happening in in our nation. We got to tell the truth. Uh, there is injustice in the black community. It's systematic. Um, There's so many things that that we see. For for example, on the news we see. Uh, um, Uh, when when there are reports, and I'm sorry if I'm waxing long, but we see reports of criminal activity in the black neighborhood, and it's kind of glorified in the media. Uh, It's glorified in our music. It's glorified in our movies. Um, I I think that's very intentional, and it's very deliberate to paint a picture of the black community uh, where God's um, uh, thoughts about the black community, uh, as well as every other community, are completely different than what the narratives are being set and being put forth in public, and so um, these things I think have to be acknowledged. And to say that Black Lives Matter is not untrue; Black lives do matter. But I think we have to go further than that, and we have to really uh, begin to esteem life in general across the board for what it what it really is. And um, and at the same time, tell the truth about what's going on in our
4: nation. So. Well, to be honest, when I first heard the term Black Life Matters, I was one of those individuals that says, well, all life matters. But sometimes you have to pluck out and point and put the spotlight on an issue that is large enough to affect the nation. And so I understand the Black Life Matters term is that, hey, we're shining the spotlight on something that needs to be dealt with, that needs to be, as much as possible, eradicated. Um, and so, in that term, I, I can appreciate the, the, the Black Life Matters, you know. Uh, and I'm glad that Cory spoke. There's a plethora of issues, and one of the reasons why I felt that we should have a woman on the panel It's because women have dealt with issues and still deal with issues of injustice. You know, whether they're white, black, Asian, or women still deal with issues of injustice. It's just not right now, at this moment in time, something that the spotlight is shining upon. And so I think the the, um, narrative that the church has to have has to be inclusive even though there's a spotlight shining. And I think this spotlight for me allows the church to now become more active in all areas of injustice because now it's highlighted and we have the opportunity to step into this and bring a correct narrative to it.
0: Amen. And and what I want to ask is, like, piggybacking on that is asking you guys, why do you feel this uproar now? Why after? Because I hear a lot of uh, talk about, you know, it's been 400 years, uh, 400 years, and because we have seen, unfortunately, police brutality. We have seen police injustice, and never in my lifetime have I seen the uproar. I, I think there's about 150 nations that, that uh, have protested against injustice, rightfully so, right? Um, why, why? Why do you think it's the whole nation. Like, I, I look at, I look at, I was talking to some of you guys, like, I look at old history footage of the black and white videos, and what do we see? Black and white videos of the 60s. We see Martin Luther King walking down the street, right, and we're uh, parading, right, and, and for, for the injustice. I feel like 20 years from now, 30 years from now, the Lord Terry's history books or history lessons are going to see images not only of the 60s, but of 2020, of the whole entire nation rising up. Why do you think... Because, unfortunately, it has been happening so long that now it's different. Why is it so different
2: now? I think a couple of things. Number one, times and seasons are in God's hand. Mm-hmm. Number one. And I think the Lord is definitely highlighting this. I think we just came out of a forced Sabbath. Mm-hmm. As a na- well, really the globe. Mm-hmm. Body of Christ in general. All across the earth. And the Lord really had to deal with us, the church, how we do church and how we do ministry and how we view people.
4: Amen.
2: So I think in one, way, in one case, the Lord, this is in God's hand. He knew this was going to happen. And it's not a coincidence that all of this happened, you know, in between Passover and Pentecost, those 50 days, that we had this pandemic and then followed by this racial pandemic as well. So the Lord knew this, number one. Number two, because he knew it, I believe he made the church, allow he made the church to shut up, be quiet, and listen, exactly, and listen, and let him get in our face and show us areas that we have neglected. Show us areas, spiritually and, you know, just socially as well, and life in general. So I believe, number one, it's in God's hand, number one. Number two, I think because... God knew this, and in God's timing, this was just the thing that just made the, you know, the, the, the cup boil over. Mm-hmm. This was so blatant. This was so yes. evil. This, was ha- this has been building up, you know. And so I, th- I think what we saw, the first thing when I saw that, I was so angry. I went on Facebook. I go, this is outright murder. This is murder. Yeah. We just saw a murder. All of us, the whole world saw a murder murder, you know, live. I go, I can't believe I'm seeing this. And so I think it just boiled over. It's the timing, and uh, you know, and I think th- it's it's a season for this, for for a voice to come forth, not just from the black community, but from every race Amen. and from the body of Christ primarily. Amen. Amen. It is fun. Before you, uh, Corey may I respond, I reached out to some
0: of my my black pastor friends and, and 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 minister friends. I said, What can I do? And one of the things that they said, guys. It was like a, a loving knife. It wasn't it wasn't intentional, but it, they said, "Don't hide behind the pulpit." Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: they said, "Come out with us. Stand with us." Man, that was that hit me. You know, don't just say, "Hey, we're for you. We're gonna pray for you," while you guys are are. While while you deal with it, he says, like, look, help us fight this injustice. Raise your voice. Come out with us.
2: Pray with us. Walk with us. Come on. Amen. Yeah, Amen. Have, we have no problem. We have no problem being a voice for aborted babies.
0: That's good, That's
2: good. We have no problem being a voice for human traffic victims. But Why, do we have a vo- we have, why does a church as a whole have a problem being a voice for, black, for, for the black community. And so this is the hour to be a voice. And I think the Lord, in that season of 50 days, he, he's allowed us to see. You know, guys, I'm going to allow you to see something that's so vile. And it's, you know, but these last 50 days, I've given you opportunity to be encountered. Because I'm, I'm, I'm sure all of us can say, during that, during that pandemic, we were shut, shut in. We were seeking God like we never had before, individually, personally. And the Lord spoke to us individually, and we started seeing things in our own life, junk in our own life, attitudes in our own life. And so, the Lord, I think, the Lord knew this is a this is a prime time for the for the body of Christ to rise up and be a voice for the African American community.
1: Amen. You know, I, I want to say, um, I think I think one of the reasons why, uh, when, when you, Robin, you said this. It, I, We're in a moment where the axe has to be laid to the root of the tree. Um, Back in 1906, we had a a worldwide revival that came out of California uh, with with Azusa Street. What was birthed out of Azusa Street was two denominations. One of them was the Churches of God in Christ, which at the time was comprised of both black and white leaders, but what happened in that context, it was led by um, a, uh, a black preacher wow. by the name of Bishop C.H. Mason. And, but out of that context, what happened was that many of the white leaders in that day did not feel that they could submit to a black, a black pastor, a black leader. And so out of that racial strife was birthed the Assemblies of God. Wow. Okay. And and so and so and, and other not just the assemblies of God, but other white mainline Pentecostal denominations was birthed out of that division. And um and and so so I, I bring that up to say this one of the reasons why preachers feel like they have to make statements like that is because most white congregations and white communities don't have relational capital in the black community. I was a student at Southeastern uh, um, in Lakeland. Uh, actually, your son was one of my roommates. And uh, this was, this was you know, back in the day in, um, in, in um, what I began to see really quickly. First of all, I got saved in the church in the black community, spirit-filled, set-apart to the Lord. And then about eight months later, I went to college at Southeastern. It was a small community at the time, about 800, 50, 900 students. There were about 30 or 40 or so blacks. And um, what I began to notice quickly was that the leadership and the pastors that would come through the campus and speak, uh, there was a heavy emphasis on finances raised for missions, foreign missions. So and um, But I noticed at the same time that your mega churches, Carpenter's Home Church, and I'm not calling anybody out. This is just the reality. Carpenter's Home Church, Victory Church, uh, Southeastern, that campus was literally right down the street from the hood. Wow. And so while millions upon millions of dollars are being raised for foreign missions overseas, wow. I, I began to notice that the preachers and, and the missionaries were okay with walking past the black community in order to get on a plane and fly overseas while the black community was suffering and the mission field was right at home, the true mission field. And so I say all that to say this, that, that there, is, there is no way for the church to really have authority to speak into the crisis today if we've neglected or abdicated the responsibility to serve our neighbor, right? Jesus said that, that, that the gospel should first start in Jerusalem, then where? Judea, then where? Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, Samaria was was the place where none of the Jews wanted to go because the Samaritans were considered as dogs. They were mixed breeds of people, right? They were were of a different skin tone and complexion. But Jesus was intentional about going through Samaria before he went to another place even of his own people Because he wanted to make sure that when he rose, he could honestly say all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth, right? And so we really don't have authority to speak to the storm if we've not invested in a, in a very true and intentional way in the communities right next door to us. And so, um, so we, we, we've got to be honest in the church, and it's not just the white thing. It's the same way in the black community. There's racism in the black church, yeah. right? And so we've we've got to address these things. Uh, we've got to address our prejudices, and we really have got to come to the place where we put our money where our mouths are. And and uh, and if we're if you know, it's it's not enough to just preach and stand behind the pulpit, but we we really have got to be intentional about what we do financially, because you know. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart is, right? If we've got no treasure or investment in the black community, our hearts won't be in the black community. If we've got no treasure investment in the in the Latino community or in the poor white community, our, our, our you know our hearts won't be there. And so I just wanted to bring these things up, you know, and I, I believe that one of the things that's happening in this hour is that God is addressing the church. You know, when this whole pandemic happened, and I, I don't mean to be long, I'm sorry. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, I put distance between the pulpit and the pew so that I can come and shepherd my people the way I want to. And I think one of the things that's happening is that we, God said that I put distance between the pulpits and the pews so that I can come and shepherd my people the way that I want to. And, you know, I, I, I strongly believe this. The rhetoric in our churches and, the, and the, the culture that we've established, the church has become a house of preaching and preaching re- you know, rhetoric and different ideals and concepts instead of really being a house of prayer. When, there, when, when we are a house of prayer, Isaiah 56, 7, my house will be called a house of prayer for all people, every nation, every ethnic group. The problem is when we pray as a church, we begin to hear God for ourselves. And we, we, we develop the heart of God and the compassion of God. And we can't just walk past people and dismiss them like we've always done as a community of believers. You know what I'm saying? And so God is dealing with these things, and he wants to uproot prejudice yes. from our hearts individually so that when we come together collectively, we can get things done in the name of the kingdom.
4: That's so good. Man.
3: Now that's hard to follow, but uh, <laughs> but yes, and that's been that's been my heart, you know. Is I think maybe as a teacher, what you see in the classroom, and you go to areas, I'm like, you don't have running water. What? And I think what is also birthing right now is the kingdom of God. Birthing the kingdom of God, and I shared this example with my husband, and he looked at me like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So, uh, ladies, um, when you're pregnant, about month seven, eight, you start having what's called Braxton Hicks contractions, (laughs) and where the stomach starts to tighten up, but it's a warning to you, hey, get the nursery ready, hey... Start getting your bag, start getting things in order. And I believe we're kind of in that, as it says in Matthew 24, you know, that, hey, these are just the beginning of the birth pangs. And yeah. as Corey said, let's look at each of our hearts and what's going on. When the Israelites crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, they had to battle the Amalekites, the Jebusites, the Moabites, all of that, we need to battle fear, anxiety, offense, anything that the Lord shows, um, deal with Amen. it, take it before Him. And I was actually, I was down in the Paramore area a couple weeks ago, wow. and we've just been kind of going home to home because we couldn't really meet with some of the kids corporately a whole lot. But as I meet, now, these are black male boys, 9, 10, 11, primarily, and we're talking, sometimes we'll go over scripture, hey, what's that saying to you, and write it out, is there anything you want to talk about? Three at that age have said, I have anger management issues, and I'm like, how do you even know what anger management is at that age? And at 9, 10, 11, they're dealing with anger, and that. The Bible says, Ephesians four, do not let the sun set on your anger for it gives the devil a foothold. And so I've just really been praying into that, you know, and that's one thing we pray with them. Hey, let's release this anger. What's causing the anger and dealing with the heart, as you said, individually and corporately so we can go out and church, I believe is. Amen. really starting to move outside
0: us. <laughs>
3: outside the four walls i mean some of the moms where we are they're like hey let's have let's have a worship thing right here in the yard and i'll make food and i'll do that and i'm like hey Praise where god. the spirit of the lord is there's freedom Amen. let's go and just transitioning you know in that of birthing forth the kingdom of god Amen. because the king is coming Amen. glory
4: glory Pastor Keith, do you have anything you want to add? Let's be honest, folks. A lot of this comes down to us protecting us. Yeah. It really does. I mean, you know, I ask myself, am I going to step out of my four walls at my home and go down and risk my life for something that's Right. And that's what we have to ask ourselves. Do we really, really believe in eternal life enough to say, if I perish, I perish? Because that's the thing that we have to rip off. It says, perfect love casts off all fear. And a lot of us are not willing to risk our physical health to make a difference somewhere. See, when Martin Luther King rose up and others that walked with him, I lived in that time. I saw what was happening. I saw dogs biting people. I saw people, water hoses, fire hoses being sprayed on people. But those people said, you know what? I may never see the change, but it's worth the risk. And that was the attitude that was developed in people that would say, you know, I'm not sitting on the back of the bus today, that lady. She says, I'm not going to sit on the back. And whatever happens, it happens. And until we get to that place, and that's an individual thing that each one of us have to wrestle with, regardless of the color of our skin. And I think there's a generation out there who hasn't seen things so overtly so now they're rising up and saying, you know what? It's worth the risk. Amen. They may not be doing it in the right way so the church got to ask itself, individually and collectively, is it worth the risk?
2: Wow. Can I, wow. I read the scripture yes. real quick? It goes exactly with what, that, what you just said because Emily and I, we, we do a Bible reading on Sunday mornings at 8.30, and for the last 75 days, we have been focusing on the book of Acts, because while some people in the church were looking to an actual day, the day of Pentecost, for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, she and I have been saying, it's not about a day, it's a season. This Amen. is an hour yes. that the Lord is doing something fresh. So this morning, in our, in our, this morning's reading in Acts 20, Paul you know, is giving his farewell speech to the elders of Ephesus. And um, he says, when they had come to him, he said to them, You know that from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, how I served the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept nothing, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you, and I taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to both Jews. And also to the Greeks, that repentance towards God and faith to our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go. I go now bound in spirit, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except this, that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that I go, chains and tribulation are awaiting me. Now here's a key verse. And let me say this in a way that's not going to be offensive to us, but... We value too much our lives. That's true. That's we value the, the American dream over the kingdom of God dream. And what, Keith, what you just said is so right on. Because here's what Paul says. But none of these things move me, wow. nor do I count my life dear to myself. Because my mind is focused on this. I want to finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ... To testify of the to the gospel of the grace of God. So in a nutshell, I think we have a major problem in America with Western Christianity is that we value and we love the comforts of our lives more than we're willing to give up our lives. You know, there's a there's a there's a portion in, in the book of Revelation that is very disturbing. Where the, the, the souls are seen under the altar of God, and they're saying, how long, O Lord, until you revenge the blood that's been shed and, and our brethren on the earth? And the Lord says, wait a little bit longer. I guarantee you, that's the cry of the black, the black community. How long, Lord God? Yeah. They're, they're crying, how long before we final justice? And the Lord's saying, just wait a little bit longer, because he knows the exact time. When justice is going to prevail. But the point is this. That the Lord said there in that same portion of scripture. He says, just wait a little bit longer until the number of your brethren who are also going to be martyred the way you have been martyred has been fulfilled. And many of us don't want to deal with giving up our lives. How many of us are really willing to give up our lives for the kingdom of God if that means death? And so... I think that the area that God is dealing with us right now is stop loving your life so much, stop dreaming about your 401K so much, and start dreaming about fulfilling the kingdom of God.
1: You know, I, I, was, I, was, I was considering this, but and I wasn't going to say this, but I think because you just read what you read, I think... It's important to understand what you said. It's vital um, that we understand the hour that we're in. You, you know, Jesus prophesied 2,000 years ago, and Robin, I think you mentioned this, that the fact in Matthew 24, when he was asked the question, what would be the the sign of the end and of his coming? The first thing he said was, he said, make sure, he said, take heed that nobody deceives you, right? So deception is the premise upon which he builds his end times case, right? This is important across the ethnic spectrum. It's important for me as a black man to not, drink the stream of media and, 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 and ingest everything that's been put forth and, and believe and run with every narrative. Because at the end of the day, I have to see the crisis in the earth from an eschatological paradigm. I've got to see it through the filter of what Jesus said would take place in the last days, number one. But then he goes on to talk about how ethnic group would rise up against ethnic group and kingdom against kingdom. That word nation uh, is in the Greek ethnos, which is where we get our term ethnic group. But then he says this. He says, like Robin said, that's the beginning of sorrows. But then he says next, because after all these happen, all these things happens, they're coming for the church. The end game in Satan's agenda is to come for the church. Persecution is going to hit this nation, whether we like it or not, whether or not we want to confess it or accept it. Persecution is going to hit the church in this nation, and we've not seen it. The little stuff and the tremors that we've seen, we have not seen what's coming to this nation and what's coming for the church. And we've got to be willing to lay our lives down, number one. But number two, we've got to be willing to to confess our origins as the church if we are born from above, right? John chapter 3, Jesus says, if anybody's to see the kingdom, he must be born from above, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said that whoever's in Christ is a new creation. They're born from above. In Christ, in Christianity... Is Because of the fact that we're born again, we are, in essence, a new ethnicity. Are you, are, are you hearing me? That means that we have to lay down ourselves. We have to deny ourselves our ethnic identities, our Latino identities, our black identities, our white identities, our Asian di- identities. We've got to deny ourselves if we are to come into the kingdom. But the kingdom of heaven, the the, the entryway into the kingdom is violence. And we have got to take a violent stance. And I don't mean physical violence. But what I mean is we have to understand our origins as Christians. And then we have to be able to and be willing to say, you know what, I don't identify with, with ethnic pride. I don't identify with what's going on with, with, you know, yes, I will speak for the, for the, for the downtrodden, I will speak for the, for the least of these, absolutely. I will speak against injustice, but at the end of the day, it's not about my skin tone. At the end of the day, because I'm born from above, I have a new ethnicity, I have a new uh, identification, my existence and, and my, my identity is not in my race. Right. I'm a part of a holy race. And but until we begin to confess these things, we will always be uh, behind the curb in terms of God's agenda. And we've got to understand this. We will not be able to lay our lives down. We even even for me to be a martyr for my people is a lesser reality than me being a martyr for the things of God and for his kingdom. Right? And, and that's no kick against anybody that's laid their lives down in the past for, for, for racial justice. I get that. I'm with that. I appreciate that. I'm for that. I support that. But at the end of the day, the greatest prize yes. is to receive a crown yes. and to not count my life dear to myself like what he just read. Yes. Because I have a kingdom agenda. Right, And if we don't have a kingdom agenda, we don't have anything as a church. Wow. We don't have anything as a church. And so I want to encourage us to make sure that we align our thinking according to the scriptures. So and the scriptures, when we come together, when we come together across ethnic origins, we have to gather around yes. the scriptures, yes. around what Jesus says Concerning our existence, number one, and the things that are to take place. And, and you know, because the Bible says, <laughs> let, me, let me share this. And, and, and we talked a, a bit about this, but do you know that cancer, if anybody's been tested for cancer, the way cancer is tested is uh, they do what's called a biopsy where they take a, a clump of cells, right, and they put it in a petri dish, and the, at the bottom of the petri dish is sugar, or it, it basically, it's sugar. sugar. Right, a film of sugar. They put this petri dish in a a machine, a container, and if the if the cells are cancerous, they will spread because of the sugar. They, it feeds on the sugar, but The conditions have to be right in order for cancer to spread. And and the conditions in this machine is darkness. There has to be darkness for the culture of cancer to spread. Well, we are not born of darkness. We're born of the light. The Bible says that the entry of his word brings light. Right? And so if we have his word on the inside of us, if we meet and dialogue around the word then we give no place for the culture of cancer or the cancerous wow. ideologies yeah. to spread throughout the body of Christ. Right? Culture itself grows in darkness. Yes. Every culture, I don't care what our cultural identity is, there, every culture in and of itself, if it's not the culture of the kingdom, it, it, it only exists by way of darkness. The kingdom of God is the only culture that grows and expands in light. And so we have to see ourselves as the church. And this is not to over-spiritualize things and, and discount what, 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 what is happening. But if our vantage point is, is merely natural, then we really have no vantage point at all, number one. And number two, we, have, we won't really have any, any eternal solutions. Or lasting solutions because we're singing the same thing as the world. Hallelujah. And so I want to encourage us to let's get both individually in our families, let's get around the scriptures and hear what the Lord has to say on the issue. Because when we when we put these in these these issues in the light of scripture, then God can bring clarity. Otherwise, you know, we, we really have no hope.
0: This is this is awesome. Come on, let's give it a hand for that. I have one last question, but I want the worship team to come up. If the worship team can come up, I have one final very important question. But, you know, Corey and Pastor Carlos, as you were speaking. I just felt really strong that you just nailed the root of, of the problem. And it's very general, but it's darkness, right? You just said cancer cannot, I didn't know that, cannot survive or, or, or spread uh, where there's light. That's an incredible statement. And there's people watching that, you know, they've been trained since they were born. You know, we don't have an inherent gene of racism. No, no that is taught. That is learned. So that, that means if it's taught and learned, we could unlearn it through truth. And, you know, I, I, I'll say this because there's people out there that don't even know the Lord. And you're sitting in this room. You don't even know the Lord. And maybe you have either, A, on one side of the spectrum grew up uh, uh, with ideologies and thinking that uh you're maybe superior or 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 inferior than somebody else or or you have been a victim of racism or of injustice but the answer is twofold the root of it is darkness but the answer is light which is Jesus right and you know I had a thought before I ask this one last question how does I had this thought hear me for a second what I think something maybe prophetic is happening in our nation right now Everyone keeps talking about 400 years, 400 years, 400 years, right? Well, am I right or am I wrong that it was 400 years that the, the, the children of Israel were in bondage before a deliverer rose up? Right? Could it be that after 400 years, the Lord is raising up a delivery, a deliverer movement to address the body, the body of Christ, in other words? the army of the Lord to address the, 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 the years of injustice and bondage um, in that area. But the last thing I want to say is, you know, before I say is isn't this good, guys? Isn't this a good conversation? But before I ask this one last question, Corey, you said something that, that really triggered something, and then I'll ask the question. But you said something about... Um, where these mega churches were raising money, uh, and and yet everyone's going to mission f- fields, and they're, they're um they're missing their own backyard. the The scripture that came to mind is when, uh, is in Luke when the Bible says a certain man went from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves, right? But here's where the analogy is. Unfortunately, I'm not saying with all the church, but with a lot of the church is this. You know what the Bible says? Pass by, weren't worldly people. It was a priest and a Levite. <laughs> a priest a priest, and a Levite passed by the person who was, who was wounded. And it didn't say this, but I could almost imagine the priest saying, I can't help you because I'm preparing for my sermon. Or the Levite, I can't help you because I'm preparing to sing. I'm about to go to a prayer meeting or I'm about to go to a worship meeting. Yet there was a Samaritan that wasn't even in covenant with God that ended up helping him, but I, but that was a sad indictment to me of the church, that a priest and a Levite could pass by and ignore, and carry on. Th- listen, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing today, because I didn't feel right just to preach any regular sermon. I, ha- I, I wanted to address, talk about what's happening in the nation. I just don't want to just act like you know. Pentecost Sunday was last last Sunday. Well, so what if everyone is dying? You know, we're having our parties inside with the Holy Ghost, shouting and dancing, right? Yet there's people that need the light outside. So with that said, this is my last question. And Pastor Carlos, I'm looking to you because if it's possible, I would love for you to reveal a little bit about this. But what can the church do other than, other than, holding prayer times, and other than recognizing evil. What could we as a church of Jesus Christ do in action, maybe to change laws? You told me something privately about a scripture where Paul went and met with a council of people and got a group of people to almost sign a, a petition to actually change laws. So what can Christians do during this time to actually see a change?
2: Well, you know, let me just go back to the prayer thing first. With, at the sound of being self-serving, and I'm not being self-serving, but that is the bottom line. In Luke chapter 18, there's a parable of a widow. I'm gonna get. To, I'm gonna get to it. Your, your 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 question. A parable that's looking for a, a, a woman that's looking for justice, and she keeps going before an unjust system, <laughs> or an unjust judge all right what does she keep doing she keeps going back she keeps going back she keeps going back and so there's a valid point for protesting for keep saying it keep making your voice heard number one so there's a natural element which i believe is very important that's why i believe it's so important that the body of christ really get behind the black community like never before number one but number two jesus he backed that up by saying, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you an insight of what it's going to be like in the last days. It's going to be so filled with injustice. It's going to be wickedness. He says, Jesus says, hear what the unjust judge said and did. Because he finally relented and gave her a request because she was he was being harassed by her. And said that Jesus says, hear what the unjust judge said and did. How much more will your heavenly father? How much more will God answer your request. He goes, but will the, will will I find faith on the earth when I return? Am I going to find faith on the earth? Or am I going to find my people in despair and giving up hope and complaining and giving into the culture, the narrative of the culture, or will they continue to pray? Will they continue to pray in faith? Will they continue to pray with action? Are you hearing me? Amen. So I think that's the number one thing is prayer. Number two is this, getting back to your Your answer is this. This morning, I looked it up. Only two people in the New Testament. First of all, the word trance is only found eight times in the New Testament. Eight times. It means outstanding. You know, being out of your mind. But two times, two people had a trance. Only two individuals in the entire New Testament had a trance. Peter and Paul. And both of them dealt with going to the Gentiles. Both of them dealt with going to the Gentiles and becoming spokesmen for the Gentile community. Now the reason why that's important is because like you said earlier, the Jews couldn't stand the Samaritans. But even worse, they couldn't stand the Romans. Because the Romans were their captors. They were held in exile by the Romans. They hated the Romans. So when Peter is in a place of prayer, when when did Peter have his trance? He was in prayer in Acts chapter 10. And if you read Acts 22, when Paul is giving his testimony before the Jewish people about what happened to him in Acts 9, he says, which I didn't, it doesn't say this in Acts 9, but in Acts 22 it says, you know, after my encounter, I was in the temple in prayer. And while they were both in prayer, they have a trance. A trance is not just your eyes closed and you see something. They saw something in front of them with their eyes wide open. And as a result of this trance, the Lord says, I'm going to make you into a spokesman to the Gentiles. And that was God's way of dealing with the heart and getting rid of the racism. Because they were racist against the Gentiles. They hated the Gentiles. The mighty apostle Peter. Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. Ten years later. Ten years go by and they're still not preaching in all the world. That's because they were keeping the gospel to themselves. It was a gospel for Jews first. And it took that time of prayer and that trance for the Lord to open their eyes and deliver them of racism. So number one, we've got to pray like never before, number one. And then number two, as we do that, it's going to position our hearts to our, have our hearts changed. And number three, we've got to follow that with action. Action. So to get your point, Paul, Peter, who's the first one to preach to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, Acts 11, he goes back home to the city. And he, they get on. They get in his face. His fellow disciples, apostles, they say, "You went to the house of a Gentile. How dare you? You know it's against the law. Well, whose law? There's no law in the Bible that says that a Jew couldn't fellowship with a Gentile. It was a religious law. It was a, it was a made-up law. It was a traditions of the. It was a tradition of their of their system. So Peter gets back home to Jerusalem. James, John, the mighty John. They get in his face and they say, you went to go eat with a Gentile. How dare you? Wow. And then Peter goes, I couldn't help it. I had this trance. And the Lord says, don't you ever call unclean what well, yes. I'm calling clean from now on. Hallelujah. Don't call them unclean. I'm cleaning them up. I'm giving them an entrance into the kingdom of God. You know what happened to that? Peter became the first preacher to Gentiles. And we've got to be spokesmen now you go a few a few years a few years later a few years later in acts 15 Paul is preaching to who gentiles and then a bunch of messianic believers in Jesus come and say you know what yes you can come into the kingdom of god but you got to keep the law too you got to keep them you have to keep the law of moses and Paul is like no 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 we're free of that even your the mighty peter had a vision of that and, and they were like no you have to keep the law so paul takes the delegation back to Jerusalem, and they meet. And some of them were saying, yes, they have to keep the law. And then Peter finally stands up. He says, you know what, guys? If you remember, a couple of years ago, I had an encounter with the Lord. And the Lord said nothing about keeping the law. They have a right to the entrance. Make a long story short, Paul left that council. It was called the Council of Jerusalem. Left that council with a piece of paper in his hand. In other words, a decree. And the decree said, even the apostles, Peter, James, John, all 12 apostles and the community back in Jerusalem say that the Gentiles have a right to the kingdom and they don't have to keep the law. Basically, I believe we have to come up with a decree of some sort. The church, a resolution. The church has got to come up with a resolution. Black, white, Hispanic. We've got to come up. That's why we had this meeting on Thursday. And I'm going to send that information out today. We had a meeting on Thursday with some ministers that hopefully we can present some kind of document and go to City Hall, go to our mayors, go to the police chief and say, we the body of Christ, we the body of Christ, we are the body, we the body of Christ are asking you that from this point on we will never again tolerate police and injustice and we're asking you that policy change must take place within our cities will you stand with the body of Christ? will you stand with the African-American community? will you stand with all peoples from this point on but if we don't become a voice this is this going to be here today? Gone tomorrow. So that's what I believe. One of the th- that's one of the things that I believe we got to do. Number one, keep praying. Don't you dare stop praying. One will put a thousand to fly. Two will put ten thousand to fly. Keep praying corporately. Number one. But number two, let's put some action behind. And that action has to be like like Corey said. Can't be the narrative of the of the culture. The action has must come from the culture of what the King is saying to us. If we do that, we'll make some change.
4: Hallelujah!
2: Hallelujah! <laughs> let's all stand let's all stand
4: I just want to say something real quickly as an addition to what he says you know second, second Timothy 3 says but this but know this that in the last days perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boast Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I say in addition to what he's doing, what, what we're doing to the, for the, in the political, in the public arena, I love what Robin is doing. Because for me, if my parents hadn't imparted in me the things that they did, I might have taken to the streets as a looter. I might have taken to the streets. I might not have conducted my life the way I've conducted my life. And I, I could tell you many, many times that I've been confronted with racist, Racism in many different streams because in a lot of the workplaces and a lot of the activities that I've done in life, I was a true minority. I was maybe one of two or three people that was in that arena of life at the time. So what I'm saying to you is not only, and in the black community, we have a large disproportionate number of black Male and females that are growing up without a father figure in the home. 80%. So what does that mean? They come to the church for an hour, maybe two hours, and then they go home and they deal with everything that media is showing. They deal with all of those things. So I'm saying to the church, we must become surrogate fathers. We must become spiritual fathers. We must look around us and say, who are those kids that need a godly influence in their lives? And begin to, because if we don't go house to house, we will make some progress doing things collectively in the public arena. But if we don't deal with the hearts of children as they're growing up, we're still gonna, they're still going to walk around with darkness in their lives. I, th- I think that is so
2: powerful. The, uh, you know, what both of you said, what you're doing. You're not, we're not just talking about it, You're actually doing it. To continue to do that, number one. And number two, what you had brought up about funding missions overseas. What if we did a mission trip, not even a trip, but a, a mission drive to the inner city. What if, you know, r- instead of going away for two weeks overseas, what if we for 2 weeks went to go serve with Robin. Yeah. yeah. I'm serious. And then on top of that, what if? I mean th- these things will come forth aft as we as a church makes a decree. I could see these things come to pass because what you said the millions of dollars that are raised and are being sh- shipped overseas. What if millions of dollars are raised and and then we developed and the and the body of Christ developed mentorship programs. Millions of dollars, mentorship programs, you know, where successful businessmen are there and they're training and equipping, you know, young black, young women, men and women, you know, about morality, holiness, and, you know, bi- how, to, how to start a business, you know, how to, how to, do, your, how to do your own, fi- how to balance a budget, the simple things of life. I am telling you, we could see change, but change not going to happen unless the hearts change first. Amen. We, Amen. we do it first, pray, have the Lord impact us. Then we have an action plan. And then we see the body of Christ come together, work with the city. It's, and and it's not overnight. It's going to be, but we have to be willing to put our lives on the line. And we have to be willing to take a risk and deny ourselves and get, get our hands dirty. And not just say okay, you guys go do it. I'll pray for you. Right. But And that doesn't mean that we're all called to do that. I'm not saying that either. I'm, we, should, we need to be faithful to our mandate at the same time. Amen. I'm not called to start an inner city ministry. That's not my mandate. But you know what? I can get behind it. I can do a mission trip. I can go there. I can help fund it. Why not? Amen? Is this your church? Does we go to church? How many? Do you have Do you have partners for what you do? No. All right there. Look at that. I'm going to become one of your partners. Amen. So you have no partners? I'm your first partner. I just got a full time job. <laughs> $100 a month. Amazing. I'm going to give you 100 bucks a month. I'll be the first Amazing. one. Who? Anybody else want to be a partner? You see her. You, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right? That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. All right? Let's get behind what people are already doing. Amen? And we'll see
0: change. Hallelujah. Rob, real quickly. Rob has one last thing to say. We're, then we're going to pray.
3: <laughs> I had. Um, No, really what's on my heart is Jesus made it pretty simple. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. When you have that vertical, that intimacy, that relationship, it makes it easy to love your neighbor as yourself. But we've got to get in that secret place to know his perfect love. And in prayer, pray against that orphan spirit. There are no orphans in Christ. He is Abba Father. He's a good father. And the perception of who he is truly needs to be restored.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Guys, before we have a time of prayer and worship, I want all of you guys to stay up here with me. Just look around. Just look around. You know, you can't say this in a lot of churches, prague, but we're so multicultural here. Look at us. There's whites, there's Spanish, there's blacks, there's Asians. This is how the kingdom of God should look like.
2: Come on, say amen. This is how it should look like. I think this church has, there's Spanish, there's Spanish, there's Spanish. Then there's white and black. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But
0: but I'll say this, I'll say this. (laughs) Listen, listen. It's time for, for us not to just get behind things verbally. It's time to get it with our bodies. And I want to I wanna have this call right now, just all of us right now, as a moment of time. This is a historic moment of time. As we were about to sing this one song by Misty Edwards, Bring Restoration. I can, What a powerful song. We're going to cry out to the Lord, say, God, bring restoration. You know, and I'm looking around the room, and I see people crying and tearing up, and I love that. You know why? Honestly? Because it's time to stop turning the blind eye. This, listen, I want to say something very powerful. This should move you to tears. This should move you to tears. I want to apologize and stand in proxy for years of silence while we prayed in the pews but didn't go out there. But that's changing. We've got to be not only a voice for injustice, but we have to be bodies against injustice as far as what Pastor Carlos said, not violently, going to our cities. You know how much power we Christians have, not just in the heavenly realm. When we take over a city and we uh, and we get pastoral church unity, could you imagine? And we go to the city council and say we're demanding a change. We're standing behind our brothers and sisters, and we want laws to be passed that makes it a a, a, a illegal for abuse for unarmed people and we could do that and it starts today with us and i lastly i'll say this what is the holy spirit saying how is jesus reacting i feel that there's times when jesus was is weeping with with our black brothers and sisters i really do it's almost like where is the help the help is in the church i want everyone to close your eyes right now I'm going to ask some of our our ministers here to just be led by the Lord. But I just want us to just close our eyes. We're going to sing this one song real quick, and then I'm going to call you to action. All right? So I want all of us to take this seriously. This is not a light moment. History is happening, I believe. It's changing, could change by our decision. So let's lift up our hands and just welcome the Lord. And let's ask the Lord to bring restoration in our nation and with our brothers and sisters.
1: Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.